Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Baby Got Batch. And that's like a welcome back, assuming you listen to our episode zero. But this is like the full this is the full kit and caboodle, if that's even the phrase. But we're starting off with Matt's season. It's here. Episode one. So for all you people who didn't listen to the episode zero, that's totally fine. Welcome. I'm Camila. And I'm Brett. And we're Baby Got Batch. Oh, a perfectly well-timed woo. I'm just doing miscellaneous sounds over here. I don't even know what that was, but, you know, we're just going to roll with it, you know? Feeling excited, feeling jazzed. The 13-day drought of Bachelor content is over. <laughs> feeling refreshed. Not really that refreshed, but we're just going to we're just going to say I'm refreshed. We're just going to say we're ready. It was It was a whirlwind. I really don't even feel like there was a break. Like I feel you you say 13 day break. I say we just paused one week for Christmas. <laughs> and then it's just as you know, just as previously scheduled. Like I'm it's a lot of bachelor. I never thought I'd be saying this, but it's a lot of bachelor. It's a lot. Yeah. A lot of batch nation. Well, you know what's wild too is, you know, we had that 13 day break and again that had uh a whole bunch of holidays just crammed in in between there. And then from here, we're doing Bachelor, going right into Bachelorette, probably, right into Bachelor Paradise. And then we're doing summer games. We're doing everything. We're doing this, this is a marathon. So you gotta, you gotta get get your get your shoes on, your bat shoes, and we're ready. Oh gotta god, go for what it. did I sign up for? I know, I know. We're doing it. What did I agree to? We're doing it. Okay. So how are we feeling going into this premiere? Like, you know, just in terms of how we left with Tasha, how we're starting with Matt. Like, what are your feelings? Yeah. Into it? So we've talked about this before as far as like whether Bachelorette is the favorite or Bachelor is the favorite. And I actually go back and forth and I was thinking back on our conversation because I know you're more of a fan of Bachelorette. And we're both a fan of, you know, uh, Bachelor in Paradise, but that's like off the table. But mm-hmm. Bachelor versus Bachelorette. <laughs> um, and I think the reason why I get so excited for Bachelor is because I just like the contestants more. And I'm like, ooh, who can I try to like befriend? Who can I like, uh, I don't know, I just like re- relate to them more. And then with Bachelorette, with the exception of this past season, because this past season had some really, really great men. Usually really on Bachelorette, well I'm just like angry at the men all the time. It's like, this guy's a Trump supporter. This guy sucks for some other reason. It's just the uh, that's true. The bar is just so low. So I think that's, that's why. True. So I'm excited for a new, a new batch of, batch if you will yeah but i i totally hear what you're saying and i really did love um tasha's men i feel like i mean a part of it was they were trying to cast older trying to diversify their their casting um in specific ways so they were definitely got people who were not the usual people that they would cast but i feel like with the men also like there is that crop 
that are so annoying and so full of themselves <clears> or whatever. But I feel like usually by the final, you know, seven, there's like at least half of those seven are like good dudes. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, not like not nowhere near like the consistent <laughs> caliber of this past season. Yeah. I will yeah. give you that. But I feel like with um The Bachelor, every and there and listen, there's no shame to this. I feel like, you know, every contestant really does also want to be an influencer, which again, no shame. I would totally be an influencer if I could. Honestly, honest <laughs> to God, no shade. But I feel like it's love and that. I like I don't know how to describe it. I feel like with The Bachelor, it just feels more it's harder to have genuine authentic moments yeah. because the women are always so made up put yeah. together rehearsed what's going to be more you know, commercialized yeah yes that's the word more commercialized which again i mean i don't fault like people for wanting to go on the bachelor to also help their career like i don't fault yeah. that I, yeah. at all so i don't know i guess that's it's like how do you it's like that balance of like reality tv realness yeah, with also yeah. the types of people who want to be on reality yeah. TV. You, like how do you yeah you know what i think it is for me yeah. it kind of on that note is that the thing that draws me so much to this franchise is the the greater cinematic universe of it all and with bachelor mm-hmm. i'm more inclined to want to engage with that greater cinematic universe like i genuinely find uh, you know, and we'll get into some of our favorites, but there's some people on this season where some of their social is like really funny. And it's like, oh, I actually think I like this person as a person. Yeah. And just the fact that that's the bar is like, oh, man. Uh, but with the guys, it's not usually that way. Again, barring last season, because there's a whole bunch of angel babies that were just amazing men last season. Um, yeah. It's not usually the case. Yeah. And even the ones who make it far, they're still like dud burgers. Like they're perfectly nice, yeah. but they're not like someone I actually <laughs> want to attempt to i don't know yeah what i can you actually make me laugh yeah right yeah i i totally hear you i think i i totally see where you're coming from i think the difference or i think the reason why i hadn't thought about it that way is because i don't interact or i at least i used i used to (laughs) pre this podcast (laughs) never really interacted with that many bachelor nation people Mm. on instagram and twitter just because i don't really care that much about following their socials but now it's kind of I guess it's part of this. Yeah. I got to do it. Well, listen, welcome to the dark side. Thanks. Now I'm, now I'm going to see what you're talking about, and then I might flip over to, to Bachelor over Bachelorette. Who knows? But also the fact that you planted the idea that of, of like Bachelorette being your favorite last time might switch me over. So maybe we're just going to like cross, Ooh. and we're just going to end up on different sides of the dance floor over here. But beyond like being hyped for you know just Bachelor content coming back, we obviously have to acknowledge that Matt being the first Black Bachelor, that's awesome. You know, it, it is, uh, you know, it's taken far too long, obviously. You know, the fact that it's the 25th yeah. season, but, you know, still got to, I guess, take the wins where you can get them. And I'm really, I'm cautiously optimistic yeah. that this can be like momentum in the right direction. There's definitely moments of trepidation for sure watching yeah. this. Yeah. Another thing I feel, which I have been saying since Matt James was announced. Uh, yeah, he's got great personality. Obviously loved all the TikTok, you know, quarantine crew stuff that they did. I kind of met him through the socials through Tyler Cameron's mm-hmm. IG and stuff. But I do think it's weird that the first Black Bachelor is someone who wasn't previously yeah. on The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of makes sense. Like, he had that weird 
Twitter fight with Claire and he was supposed to be on The Bachelorette. And then shortly after the weird Twitter fight, there was the June Black Lives Matter protests and eruptions that kind of resurfaced. And ABC and The Bachelor franchise in general felt a lot of pressure from that. And so they... I, get, I think they kind of saw like two birds, one stone. Like we don't have to get rid of Matt James. And also we have a black lead, which again, I think it's great. I love him already. Very charismatic. He was really fun to watch in the first episode. But gives me a little bit of a, you know, science experimenty vibe that yeah. I just feel it, it was just like too convenient for them. It's like, oh, two birds, one stone rather than, you know, like a heartfelt look at past suitors who may have deserved the role. And yeah. the title. Well, one thing I think about too, and we've talked about this before, is all of like the the BIPOC cast in this franchise in general are already having to uh you know really like go that much further of a distance to to make it anywhere in this franchise because you know it's it's very whitewashed. And when you do have, you know, your first black lead, uh, or you know, second black bachelorette with Tasha, you know, you want to see abc set them up for success and any mm-hmm. instance where that might not be the case where maybe they don't know matt james or they're they're kind of like throwing Tasha in mid-season being like have fun with this one it's like what your point was about how failing companies often get handed to women ceos and like well you wanted leadership have at it have fun with this one yeah. where it's just like not necessarily the most solid yeah. base to give them yeah. Oh, you wanted a black bachelor? Here you go. If it's a train wreck, it's yeah. your fault. Yeah, yeah. It's like you yeah. don't know who the fuck he is, but like have at it. Have fun. Yeah. 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 This stranger will oh, you wanted a black lead? This stranger will do. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, I you know, I really hope his ratings are awesome. Um and yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. Well, to your point and to ABC's credit, like they have been trying to put him in a good position. The ads for the Bachelor have been really good. They made him look really attractive, really desirable. It made the season look very dramatic. The freaking castle chateau where they are oh is my no God, yeah. like, is Jeez. far from La Quinta. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I feel like they really are trying to set Matt up for success, mm. which I have to give them credit for that at the very least, for sure. Again, I think he's great and I want him to succeed. One mm-hmm. ad that I have to call out, which got some attention yesterday, and I don't know if you you saw it or not, but there was a promo that I think was out this past weekend where it was like this, it was set on this black background and it was like this slow fade and in the background you saw what kind of looked like a cell, like a jail cell thing. And then there was also a silhouette of a woman with a gun. And when that came out, it's like, literally, what is this? And then I've since seen um, some people from the franchise say like, oh, we were going through like a James Bond thing. Like, that's what we were doing. But that, that to me feels like an instance where you need, uh, you know, BIPOC people, both in front of the camera and then also like in the boardroom and like all of these different rooms in leadership. Right. Because you know, it's like, sure. Maybe they're going for a James Bond thing, but it doesn't look amazing to have like a black man have like jail cells behind him, have a gun right now. You know, it's just, I, it's not, it's not the best look, but other than that, I've been pleasantly uh, surprised and, and grateful for how they presented him. 
I didn't see the ad you're talking about. Now I want to look it up. Yeah. Uh, but it reminds me of the Claire Crawley promo where she's in The Graduate. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. an older woman seducing a teenager. So mm-hmm. that felt like it missed the mark, in my opinion. Yeah, so it yeah. sounds kind of similar. And you know what that feels like, too, is that you can envision the room, right? You can envision like that's like these 40, 50-year-old men who are like, oh, I, you know... James Bond was my hero growing up or like uh, graduate was the best movie. And they're trying to make these references to really old movies, which like, you know, they're great movies. I think, you know, I, I haven't seen all the James Bonds and I barely kind of remember the graduate, but you know, it's a classic, I guess. Um, yeah. But it, it's a bit nebulous with, uh, you know, some of the references they're trying to make, especially if they're trying to bring in a new audience and it's like, what is this? But you know, whatever we'll plow through. Not everything's going to be great, but uh yeah, worth worth at least acknowledging it. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let, well, here actually, so before we get into the episode, I have a surprise. And this is, <gasps> Camila doesn't know fucking anything about this. And and I swear Ooh, to all- I love surprises. Swear to all listeners, she Camila doesn't actually know about this. This isn't like a- I have no idea. This isn't idea. like a, oh, I'm... what? What? What could it? It wasn't, it's not Wait, like I'm a- nervous. <laughs> all right, here we go. I have to, Wait, I'm getting red. All right, here, check your- Yeah, we're, we try to keep it real. What, what, was, what did Maddie say? Genuine and real? We try to keep it genuine and real. That's what we try to do on this podcast. I, yeah, literally, when he says he tries to keep it real- listeners guys friends like i'll call him for the zoom call and i'll be like oh my god this and this and he will literally go stop it save it for the recording don't say it now gotta so save it for the pod accurate. i have no idea save it for the pod for, so i have no idea okay what is about to happen okay camila check your phone well this is assuming this check text. My phone. this is also worth calling you out that you have an android and it's always like <laughs> did my text message get to you <laughs> did it even oh show up god. i can't see if it's just delivered <laughs> Wait, what? wait, what is this? Wait, it's a cameo. Did oh, it says I have to install cameo. What? You shouldn't have to install cameo. I think you can just do it from a browser. Wait, so you got a no? I Will's read. Did you get a, <laughs> <laughs> a cameo from Will's? Wait. Oh my god! Wait, what? No, why? let me open it. It says I have to. I have to download cameo. Um, <gasps> it's worth calling out. iPhones open this just fine. Worth noting. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. Oh my god. I'm like red. Oh my god, I'm red. I'm downloading Cameo, guys. You're downloading Cameo. You know, this, this, this has gone off the rails. This is supposed to be a fun, <laughs> fun little to- note. <sighs> oh my god. It's in- so relaxed. It's installing. <laughs> oh my god. That's weird. It makes you download it. Man, that's so, that's so just uh, so much pressure on Cameo. And also, two people who get Cameos. Don't always have the app. I, now I'm really looking at the logistics and semantics of Cami over here. That feels very involved. Wait, what? Now it's asking me to log in. This is a mess. <laughs> this is a mess. This was not well thought out uh, um, in terms of Cameo. Not you, not you. <laughs> I was about to fight you. <laughs> I was about to fight you. No, not George. I was Cameo. about to hang up. It's Go at- find another co-host. I don't know me. how to do it. Can you just can you play it for me, please? Because I really want to see it. I'm Wait, how's getting, that like, gonna sweaty and excited? <laughs> Let me see my fucking cameo. Okay, let's see. Please work. Hi, Camilla. Will's here. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. No, I and the baby it wrong. got I know. batch 
podcast. It's pretty funny because I think this is the first cameo I've ever done where I actually know the person who booked this. Hi, Brett. Um, I didn't know you had a podcast. Anyway, amazing, amazing work. Hope it goes well. Um, I think Matt's season is the 4th of January. It's going to be awesome. Um, Your podcast is going to be amazing. Uh, I'm happy we have someone who looks like myself or my family. being the lead of a show, it's going to be great. I'm ho- hoping for good things. I think it's going to be a really, really fun ride, and I can't wait to tune in. I hope you g- both enjoy this upcoming season. I hope you're both staying safe, Camilla. I hope you Camilla. enjoy the podcast and everything that's going to come from this. And I hope everything goes as planned. Stay safe. Stay warm. It's raining here in LA. Strangely, I know, but uh, stay safe, stay warm. Happy holidays, happy new year, and I'm wishing you nothing but the best for both of you. Bye. Um, okay, I what's hilarious to me is that the second he said hi, Camilla, I literally go under my breath, it's Camilla, and then he goes, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that and I was like, oh, damn it, but no, oh, uh, thanks, bro. No, of course, I mean, I figure I had to uh kick us off on a fun little little shebang you know this is the most perfect surprise as you all who listen to episode zero know um we met because i followed brett and wills around buzzfeed yeah and then and then look look just life comes at you fast life comes at you fast and uh Uh, thank you so much, Brett. No, that no, that really course. it really means a lot. Well, it was it was funny because like I you know I like know him you know <laughs> like I've chatted with him since you know, touring him around Buzzfeed. But you know, listen, I'm a big mm-hmm. believer in paying friends for their work. You know, I can't just be like, hey, yep. Will, can you just like bleh? I know you have a cameo and everything, but like no, listen, pay people for their work. Um, you know, if they offer to and do then something, do then, you yeah. favors? Yeah, 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 no, no, right, right. Like not Will specifically, but I feel like I always, I always want to pay my friends for what they do, um, and for things that can help them out in any way, shape, or form. And then they're going to appreciate that, and they're going to show that appreciation back to you yeah. when you need it. When you need their support, they're going to support you. Exactly. So. Hell yeah, support your friends. And he also did say that once we, you know, figure out our our uh, guest integration on Baby Got Batch, that he's all game to join us so we'll see you soon Woo! who knows when that'll be but soon soon enough see you soon wills we'll meet again for a third time now i'm counting this cameo as a second time hell yeah. yeah all right and then with that shall we dive into matt james 25th season yeah. premiere of bachelor let's do it Woo! here we go so we have a cold open that we get for this this premiere and taking you back to like 20 2020 yeah i almost got my years mixed up we're we're already at that time because of the new year you know um but 2020 we get the cold open of uh barb essentially saying like oh like uh don't let her go don't let her go and it was such a this dramatic cold open and then the entire season we were wondering like ooh, who who could she possibly be talking about is it hannah brown is it maddie is it is it like one of these front runners yeah. you know and then I I was pretty confident for most of the season that it was Maddie. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought it was Maddie. I thought for a a, a part of me thought it was Hannah I, or Hannah Brown. I should say I never thought it was Hannah Ann. Never, like never, I just never thought it was I Hannah Ann. was completely uh, bamboozled by by that reveal. Um, but then comparing that to what we get this year, we literally get a cold open teaser of Katie, who I should say is one of my top that probably my favorite probably my favorite at this point mainly because her content is real real good off off the batch you know her her tiktok <laughs> is uh top tier 
Um, but Katie pulls up with a prized possession from from home, and we'll uh, we'll revisit this later. Really helped her get through oh, yeah. quarantine. Really, really, just you know, pandemic's hard times, man. It's hard times. Really helped her get through quarantine, and it's a little vibrator. It's a little pink and purple, purple. I don't vibrator. think it was little. Oh, it wasn't little. I should say was not <laughs> little at all. It was it was a girthy boy. Was sparkly. Girthy boy. Actually, more long, more long than girthy. Anyway, this is this is a family podcast. I feel like it was a <laughs> it was it was a dildo. It was a vibrator. It was sparkly, um, and Matt James called it a lightsaber. Also, wait, I have a a a, a point to get on there. Is they kept going back and forth saying dildo and vibrator, and it's very jarring because it's like is it's not it's not a dildo, right? Because dildo is like. Are, dildo. I thought dildos were it's, like this is I mean I, I I will I will admit now that I don't know a ton about uh, dildos and or vibrators <laughs> um, but I thought okay, dildos well, were like non-moving and then vibrators vibrate they can be so I think that there's like a Venn diagram situation going <laughs> on here where a dildo is like it goes inside of you like simulates you know a penis entering you and so they don't have to vibrate but they can. Hmm. And then vibrators vibrate, but hmm. they don't have to be um, insertable. They can be like the bullet vibrators or they can be like the ones that you just kind of put on your clitoris you know, <laughs> for external stimulation. So I think it's a Venn diagram situation. And this is in the center of dildo and vibrator. There you go. And if for some reason I am 100% wrong, uh, listeners, shoot us an email, babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. There you go. Hell yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, the more you know, you know, I know uh, people come here for bachelor content, but then you just learn differences between vibrators and dildos. <laughs> That's really what the people want. I'm just proud of you, Brett, of your bravery for announcing oh, yeah. to all of your fans that you don't didn't weren't exactly sure what a dildo was. It's not I that I don't know what a dildo is. Listen, you're saying that you <laughs> you kind of know. You kind of it's more I want to understand no, more. I, I want to understand <laughs> the the nuances, you know, the dildo world if you will. You know, I really want to expand my knowledge of the dildo and or vibrator. Uh, and I think it's very brave that you choose to do it on this public platform. I'm listen, here to help you. Listen, I'm here to help if you, Bachelor but... teaches us anything, it's to embrace vulnerability. And that's what I'm doing here, mm-hmm. you know? And to be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Be daring. Show up. <laughs> Hell yeah. But anyway, so a bit jarring and different from what we got last year. But hey, you know, it's it's wild time. So let's just go for it with the vibrator cold open. And then after that, we get a shot of Nemecolin, which is in Pennsylvania. It's like Western Pennsylvania. How do you say it? Nemecolin. Nemecolin? I'm pretty sure it's Nemecolin. Um, and is it like a hotel? Is it an estate? It's like, like a what's, fucking what's like... background on our scenery? Yeah, it's like an estate. It's like a, it's a monster castle, essentially. I don't know the actual uh, architectural definition of what the structure is, but compared... No, no, but I mean like, is it a resort? Is it a... Is it normally a hotel? I think it's a resort. It a private... I think it's a resort. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, La Quinta is a resort. This is then if this is also a resort, then we need like a different tier system for resorts because this mm-hmm. thing's a monster. This thing is especially the way they shoot it. I mean, I will say it must be oh, a bit of a gorgeous. bummer. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like I want to go there. I want to go there as soon as this this whole little pandemic is sorted out and we can actually <laughs> open. You know, we're <laughs> listen. We have we've had nine months under our belt, so I've, I feel like I could be cute with uh, the pandemic now. We're on that we're on that level, but no, like this. So so this place. Is- is beautifully shot. Yeah, no, it's incredible. It's like I do feel for 
both the men on last season and the women of this season, and probably the men next season on on Bachelorette, who won't be able to experience the the Bachelor Mansion in its fullest form. But damn, this is like a pretty good compromise. I mean, just the shot of Chris Harrison standing in front of the Nemecolum Resort. It's very vast. It's very cinematic. It's very grand. I was very into it, gotta say. I want to go there. It's very over the top. It's very Bachelor Nation. I feel like we talked about how The Bachelor is kind of like the reset for the franchise every year. And I feel like they are really leaning into like new new year, new fucking way of life and filming and doing this thing and really and like doing it to 100. Yeah. And it also made me it also made me excited to watch. I'm. It, they they did good. They did this good. is a, a bit of like a, a sidebar, but on that note, what I'm definitely excited for with Matt's season is I think with Clasha's season, how there was a few weeks <laughs> where they sort of had to figure themselves out. It's like, how do we film in a pandemic and like our uh, normal bread and butter ideas? We're not gonna be able to do those. So it was a little clunky in the beginning, right. but like exactly like kind of like to your point, they're going into like a whole new year. And they can really uh, take the learnings, if you will, of last season and be like, and hit the ground running with this. And I, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said in episode zero, I'm really excited to see um, the continued innovating, you know, with these new circumstances around us. Yeah. So after we see these dramatic shots of Nemecolin, it's brought up that we don't really know Matt all that well. I mean, if you followed the quarantine crew, you know, Tyler or Hannah, they'll uh, they'll show, uh, you know, Matt and their stories. Or ABC food tours with Tyler before yeah. COVID even hit. Right, right. So you might have yeah. like some familiarity, but as far as his narrative, as far as like his, his real upbringing, there was even something I didn't know. You know, like they, they talk about him essentially growing up in a single parent household. He talks about how his mom's white. His dad's black, and then he was raised by his mom, and he does talk about how that's like uh, definitely affected his experience with with love and seeing a relationship, and 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 not having that experience when he was growing up. Um, so yeah, I'm learning things, and I feel very in tune to you know this franchise. And I thought Matt, but you know it goes as a lesson that uh, that we have plenty more to learn. And one thing I do have to call out because I feel very attacked is Matt was riding a damn Peloton and I've been thinking about getting a Peloton and I felt very targeted and I've seen so many damn ads all over the place. And this is just another one. It's just another one I can't escape. So I think I'm going to break solely because of Matt riding Peloton. That was it. Anyway, just had to have that as a little sidebar. (laughs) And then, um, oh, one thing, you know, so Matt's mom is randomly there. I don't know if she's just going to like hang out the entire season, but you know, they're at uh, Mystic Falls, whatever the room is that's at Nemecolin. So she's there. She was, she was there for a little bit. So I don't know if he's staying at Mystic Falls the entire time. Um, but yeah, she was there just giving him the little bachelor pep talk. And one thing I did like that they said, she asks Matt when the last time he was vulnerable was, and he doesn't even have an answer. So it's like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be an interesting season of Bachelor. If you can't remember the last time you were vulnerable. Okay. Um, but then another thing that they talked about, which I did really, you know, really like was they touched on this idea of like, there's no, um, like perfect family or perfect circumstances for, um, a relationship. And I think that gets like at, you know, we talk about dating all the time, but I think about, uh, you know, that a lot where sometimes I get in my own way when I'm starting to 
talk to somebody or I'm trying to figure out if I'm interested. I start trying to figure out why it wouldn't work out. Like just way in the distance where it's like, oh, well, like this person wants to move eventually in their life, potentially in like five years. So no way that this could work. So I did. I, I yeah. That really resonated with me where it's like there's going to be stuff that you have to uh, figure out with your partner or there's going to be some circumstances that are a bit messy, some circumstances that you have to figure out together. But, you know, that's just sort of life. So I, I did. I did like that. And I, he obviously knows that from, you know, being raised in a single parent household. You know, he doesn't have that that same, you know, I don't I don't actually really know if we've have we had a like single parent household as like a lead before. I don't think so. I mean, I maybe, but I cannot recall yeah, when everyone yeah, yeah. is popping into my head right now. The only thing that I really remember, is, and this wasn't a lead, but I remember Dean, mm. when he was in the final four for Rachel's season, I remember it was kind of a big deal. His parents were divorced and like seeing both of them yeah. and kind of being apprehensive to see his dad. And I remember that was a big, you know, kind of plot point. Yeah. And so um, I... I know your parents are divorced um, and mine are too. So I remember seeing that and being kind of like one, maybe kind of eye roll. Oh, they're being so dramatic about, you know, being so broken by a divorce, but also it's true. It does affect you. And I think that when so many people have divorced parents, you think that it shouldn't affect you. Cause like you're all, you know, like it shouldn't make you special or whatever, but it, it does affect someone and their ability to love and their relationship to love for sure. But also in hand with that, almost everyone cast on the show is like, both my parents have been together for 30 years and they're so happy and they're so in love. And I just want something like mm -hmm. that. And that would also grind my gears. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, you can be in a successful, happy relationship and come from divorced parents. Like, that's that's possible, too. So I do enjoy that Matt comes from a different family background than we've been used to seeing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I also, like, really liked her, and I'm very uh, apprehensive to start being like, oh, yeah, I really liked, you know, Matt's mom, because we all know what Peter's mom, Barb, she, she just really got away from us. She she became quite I knew the from character. jump what Barb was. Did you? <laughs> I'm no stranger to Cuban women. So Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. I mean I remember telling people like that's not gonna be what you think it is. And and that was right. And I felt very proud about that. If we would have had this podcast uh last year from Peter's season, you guys all you guys all would have known how how spot on I was about Barb from jump. Just mm, no one will ever know. If only carry that with me forever. If only. Um, <laughs> so after we get our intro of Matt James, oh, I do wait, but another thing I noticed in the Matt James promo was that they do give, you know, when he's talking about his life in New York and they're kind of, he mentions that he works in real estate, but they're also leaning into his charity, mm -hmm. the ABC food tours thing that he did with Tyler and they played some clips of it. And I noticed in one of them, I'm pretty sure Tyler's in it, but just with his face blurred <laughs> out. Which I thought was funny. And yeah. I just, it made me chuckle. It might not have been him. It might have just been some other adult, white male adult. But Listen. I like to think that it was Tyler Cameron with his face blurred out because they don't want to steal Matt's moment. And I thoroughly enjoyed that that thought. Listen, let the conspiracy theories begin. We got to get the tinfoils out ready to go. Heck yeah. I'm going to get behind it. Even though I didn't even see that moment or I can't remember it. But I'm on board. 
Okay, well, we obviously have different priorities. Anyway, <laughs> so after we got to meet Matt James, we got some contestant intro packages. So as um, all Bachelor fans know, this is kind of like a preview, like a deeper preview into only a handful of the contestants. Usually all front runners and occasionally some people who go home on the earlier side, sometimes the first night, sometimes the first couple episodes. It's it's I think it's just kind of like to throw us off in terms of like, well, if they're all front runners, we're going to know from jump yeah. who the final five are, you know. So I think that's why they mix some people in. We had Alicia, the ballet dancer. We saw her twirling around her quarantine hotel room. Worth calling out from New York. New York is representing these past six months. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. New York, New York. There's a yeah. handful of There's New York a good people, amount. I think, this season. Last season, there was only one. And I was sad about that. So <laughs> then we had Abigail, who is born completely deaf and wears a cochlear implant. Who eventually won the first impression rose? Spoiler alert for the for the later part of the podcast. No, it's fine. You can just say it here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like it feels silly not to mention it. Abigail, who obviously won the first impression rose, um, but we'll get more into that later. So obviously a front runner. Um, Then we had Kristen, the attorney from New York. New York, New York. Um, She is one of my favorites, and not. And again, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about any of these women from before this first episode. Unlike Brett, I didn't do any research or anything, mm-hmm. but I just liked her vibe. I liked her style. I liked how she was like, look, I'm 27. I'm a lawyer, but I like to get down. I like to have a good drink. I like a good rooftop. I like a Megan the Stallion song. She's like <laughs> dancing this super cute, sparkly outfit. I'm like, she's me. Yeah. If I was in shape and had a better wardrobe than I have now, she's me. I am her. Kristen is my... Uh, first episode favorite. Yeah, no, she's definitely up there for me. Like, it's like her and Katie are like my my top two favorites. I need more time with everybody else, but I've just locked in on those two. They can do, <laughs> and I can't wait for them to somehow betray me. But for now, they're my favorites. Um, <laughs> but no, with Kristen, uh, there was like a tweet that went out around her. It was, it was uh, you know, somebody else tweeting like. Uh, I have it here. It's like a girl I knew in college is going to be on The Bachelor. And one time after an alumni event, she took a subway with me and a man all the way in the wrong direction because he was trying to cheat on his wife with me. And I was too dull to notice. So anyways, I think she should win. So Kristen's looking out, looking out for her fellow woman. Yeah. Hell yeah. So all the more reason to support Kristen in in her journey to find out here. Totally. Dude, Kristen, if you're listening to this. Hell yeah. DM me. I think we'd get along. I think we'd have a lot of fun. We both love a good rooftop. Just saying. I love ruining uh, horrible men's days. Oh yeah. All as well. Hell yeah. So I think this could be the start of a magical friendship. Yeah. Anyway, then we have Maggie, originally from Ethiopia, moved to the states to get her doctorate in pharmacy. Fancy. Gorgeous woman, cheekbones like crazy, and I couldn't help but think. They are getting the diaspora up in here. They are being well-rounded in their diversity. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of appreciate I kind of like it. Yeah, no, I did too. I was thinking the same. Yeah, I just feel, I just really hope that there is some sort of diaspora conversation because I feel like that is a sort of thing, word, idea, thing that might just kind of go over most of America's heads. Not in a, not in a condescending way, just in a out of sight, out of mind way. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to see it potentially play out on screen. Hell yeah. Um, And then then after Maggie, we had Anna, who, gorgeous blonde woman, 
is a copywriter, has a lot of energy, very extroverted. A I lot think. of energy. Reminds a me lot of, of energy. Me. <laughs> and then last but not least, we have Sarah, who is a broadcast journalist. Side note, I love that they actually included clips of her journalism mm. i thought that was really cute oh yeah yeah she was like i know it sounds cliche but and then a cliche saying about like being safe i just like chuckled I, but like in a good way it's like wasn't local, it like it was like local broadcast journalism yeah that has a lot of heart didn't she say like turn around don't drown or something like yeah, that is along like those that. lines or like, yeah or like check the ground <laughs> don't drown something like that it was really yeah, cute yeah. um and then but she quit her job and moved home to be a caregiver because her dad um, has ALS. And so she moved home for him. And that is the end of the contestant intro packages. Yeah. So we'll see if those people end up being all the way to the end or if they get eliminated right away. You know, we'll see how many of them are just there to like mess with us with these intro packages. So we already know, sorry to spoil the end of this podcast, a.k.a. yesterday's <laughs> episode, but we already know that Alicia went home. For everyone else, is there anyone that you think you want to make a prediction is like definitely going to make it to the, the final four? Or Yeah, I mean, I think definitely Abigail. I mean, she seems like such a front runner. I mean, obviously, the first impression Rose will do that. But that being said, the first impression Rose that Taisha gave out, Spencer, he was like Done. lost in mid-pack. Oh, God. <laughs> He's a very pretty man. Uh, so, yeah. So I think for me, Abigail, Kristen, I mean, bias to Kristen because, you know, I one, she her. seems amazing, and then two, New York. Um, Maggie, and then Sarah, I think those four out of those six intro packages we got, I'm seeing making it far. Okay. That's my prediction. Like like top eight. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll say top cool, eight. Cool. We're going to yeah. lock in this prediction. We're going to check back oh, in. Boy. Okay. When we're top eight, we're going to see how you did. I'm I'm going to do more like top five. And I think Abigail is definitely going to be there. I really want Kristen to be there. I don't know if she will, but I really want her to be there. And I think, I want to say fuck it. Let's say Sarah. Let's just say Sarah. Wild card. Let's say Sarah. Sounds good. Those are three for my top five. Hell yeah. All right. You heard it here first. Abigail, Kristen, Sarah. And then with that, we get Matt. Pulling up to the front of Nemecolin here. He's just by himself for now. Um, and the first thing that is said is from Chris Harrison. He's like, damn, you're tall, which I need to highlight because I was thinking about this when Chris said that because like, duh, obviously. But when the women this season have to do like the classic run and jump, you know, where it's like, oh, Matt, I can't wait for a one on one. And then they run over and then they just jump into his arms. That's going to be like a hoist. You know, if someone's like five foot and he's like, he looks like he's like six, eight or something ridiculous, like six, six, be, maybe six, eight. No, no, no. That's a made up number. I think he's like six, oh four, probably. But he it. looks like mid sixes. That's that's my my guess. Um, but that's going to be a jump. Um. Uh, yeah, they're going to need like a springboard, like a gymnastics springboard. Yeah, to- they just have like a trampoline handy everywhere you go. So I just Googled it. He's six, five. See, all right. Mid sixes. On the nose. Look at me go. Uh, I I will say that every bachelor ever has been over six foot. So, I mean, they're all tall. And that's all I have to say. I that. mean, yeah. But, like, compared, like, compare Matt to Peter. I mean, Peter's tall. He's, like, six foot. But he's, like, he six was, foot. I think Matt's, like, noticeably one. tall no, for I a lead. No, I thought lead. he was 6'1". Oh, well, what? six. Six foot, six one. We're arguing over semantics now. Well, you're... Okay, that's an inch. And men... <laughs> get really heated about that so <laughs> i mean fair enough <laughs> fair enough 
Um, yeah. So after this, this tall discussion, uh, Matt, before he meets the women, uh, he asks Chris to, uh, he just wants to talk about a few things before they arrive. And Chris is all like, what? what's going on here? Um, so then, yeah, so they, uh, Chris and Matt venture into Nemecolin and they have like some, some pretty like interesting conversations. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about was pressure that I put on myself just being the first black bachelor. In what way? You know, it's like people want you to end up with a certain type of person. Yeah. And I get that. What does that mean? So my mom is white and my dad's black. Mm-hmm. And I experienced what it was like to be uh, a product of an interracial marriage. And it's yeah. tough because you've got people who have certain views, old school views yeah. on what a relationship and what love looks like. And you've got people who are cheering for you to find love. Mm-hmm. And then you've got che- people who are cheering for you to end up with a specific person, a specific person of a specific race. That's something that, that kept me up at night. It's like, I don't want to piss off black people. I don't want to piss off white people, yeah. but I'm both of those. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, how do I please everybody? It's a lot. It's this, it's this really big expectation. I mean, there's going to be, um, you know, a whole slew of viewers, unfortunately, who are, who aren't going to embrace this because, you know, racism. Um, and, uh, but he also talks about this whole idea of, uh, him being biracial and how he is worried about, uh, you know, he doesn't want to make white people mad. He doesn't want to make black people mad. And there's this pressure to pick, you know, it was, he was assuming he didn't actually just come out and say it, but, you know, uh, people are going to see if he's, I feel pretty confident that he's saying I'm being pressured to pick a black woman. Yeah. He was being very careful with his words. I felt a little bit from the way Matt was speaking that he was like, I want permission to to date a white girl or whatever. But my interpretation was that people want to see him with a black woman. Yeah. Which I know Rachel has mentioned um, in other podcasts that she felt pressure to keep certain men around that she didn't want to, mm-hmm. mainly because they were black. And she kind of bashed the casting department a little bit, saying you should have casted more black men who wanted to date black women and not yeah. just think that it was kind of like a one-size-fits-all, which you know goes back to the monolith idea. Yeah, And so I think from the way Matt was speaking, he just wants to date a white girl or whatever. And I think that he just wants to fall in love with whoever he falls in love with and not be worried about them being black or white or Hispanic or Asian. And I think that's fair. But the way he said it, I feel like I was like, you were trying to. He was definitely just dancing around it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but you know, that being said, it's it's a pressure you know i mean as a straight white dude over here like i literally would have no idea what that that pressure would feel like of like oh well like this group of people wants me to pick this person this group of people wants me to pick this you know it's you know so i do think it's a uh it's going to be something that's talked about you know especially as we get further into season and you know hopefully we see because right now i think the cast is over 50 percent um BIPOC, which is, you know, which is great and a record for, for this franchise. So hopefully, you know, it's, 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 it's tough, right? Cause it's like, on one hand, you do want Matt to have the freedom to, to choose, uh, 
yeah, who he's compatible with. But at the same time, it's this bigger franchise that, you know, you want representation. And so it's, 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 there's a, there's a few different battles, right? There's a, a few different factors to think about. Yeah. They don't, they can sometimes be counter, uh, you know, counter to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one other thing he uh, talks about, which I'm really curious about getting your take on, because I, I uh, think we've talked about this before, and I've seen a lot of discourse, you know, around Matt saying he's never really been in love, and you know, with an asterisk because he did say that he, he thought he had been right. He's had relationships. He's thought he ha- had been like he. I, I don't know if he had said he said it before, but it's. I think it's implied that he had. But then, then reflecting on that. He's like, oh, maybe I wasn't in love or his, his view of love changed, his definition changed, and has since realized he hasn't been in love. And I do see people coming at him being like, oh, well, you know, is this really the best opportunity for you then if you've never been in love before? You know, like, why are you going on this show to find it? So what are your kind of thoughts about, you know, if, like in someone who hasn't been in love before? One, like be on this show and then two, be the lead of the show. Yeah, I know we've talked about this before with um, with Hannah Ann on Peter's season, how she was kind of getting shit. But I think we have the same mind that like just because you haven't been in love before doesn't mean you don't like all that means is that you haven't found the person. That doesn't mean that you don't you're not ready to spend forever with someone like a lot of people want that. Like a lot of people don't need to have three loves before they know that one's the right one. Like a lot of people are just waiting to find the person to spend their life with. And unfortunately, no one that they dated before came close. Um, I think I resonate with that. I think I've, you know, had very, very, very few romantic connections and and feelings and stuff. So I resonate with that for sure. I think when it comes to being the lead, I think it's a little bit different because it is more of a gamble in terms of like you are half of the equation. Whereas like a contestant who hasn't been in love, like they are one of 30 options. Yeah. Where I stand is like, I'm not writing him off for that. I don't think he's an absolute asshole, you know, for being the bachelor, for taking advantage of a life-changing opportunity, for not taking advantage of that just because he hadn't technically been in love before. I think as long as he's sincere about wanting to find love and wanting to, you know, get married or, or at least find someone to be serious about, at the very least, then I'm I'm all I'm all for you, dude. I just I don't want it to become the norm, you know, just to chase a storyline. Like I think we should be trying to get leads and contestants who are as ready for marriage as possible. And I think not being positive of whether or not you've been in love before is kind of a yellow flag. Yeah. No, I think that's fair to say. And I think um because for the most part I'm on the soapbox that like, you know, just because someone hasn't been in love before doesn't mean they're not deserving of love. And I get all defensive, probably because there's some of some of me in there. You yep. know, there's a little little personal nerve that uh, that comes out. That. Yeah. And then I do think that the um, casting at the lead bit does have some merit because there's a little bit more, you know, at, at stake there. And you want someone who is able to like fully embrace the opportunity. Um you know, but that being said, sometimes when points like this are brought up, I more think about it in a relationship sense. Because for for me personally, I think of people who uh, were like 
I haven't really been in like a serious, serious relationship before. And, you know, I've dated a, a good amount. But listen, dating's bleak, especially in a pandemic. <laughs> Side note, nope. uh, dating, dating bleak. Um, so I'm not really one to fault it's people. It's fucking awful out yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not one to fault people for exploring any opportunity that they can find or honestly a different way of doing things i actually really can get behind that mindset of work of like well listen hinge isn't working for me so fuck it i'm gonna go on a reality show i don't know i'm just winging it we're all just winging it over here and just trying our best so i am not one to come down on him for that and then when it comes to like uh, what I was getting at with the relationship thing is I know some people are apprehensive to uh, get into a relationship with someone who hasn't been in a relationship before. Yeah. But then that becomes such like this catch 22 <laughs> where yeah. it's like, you know, it's like you haven't been in a relationship before, so you can't be in this relationship. And it's just like this hellish cycle that is impossible to escape. The way that that has affected me personally is insane yeah. like i mean that's yeah. why that's why i was 100 percent on board with you with defending hannah ann 100 yeah. percent, and that's yeah. why i'm all for giving matt james a chance it's just i gotta reiterate it's just a choice it's a choice that was made that is not the most secure in terms of abc and getting a proposal and having a lasting relationship marriage or whatever just in terms of odds you know they're nuts but but that doesn't mean that i don't think it can work because i think it can and i think it's stupid that people discount people who just haven't found the right person yet uh and then with that do we want to go into our limos yes it is time for probably the most you know well-loved portion of the season premiere of any bachelor bachelorette episode oh yeah it is the limo entrances. It is the first impressions. Woo-hoo. It is a do or die moment for many of these ladies. It's the glitz. The it's gl- the glam. It's the sparkle. And for many of these ladies, it will be their only camera time. So. <laughs> oh, dark. <laughs> without further ado. No. Um, in, all, in all seriousness, in preparation for this episode, I watched this section of the episode two or three times. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> noticed a little bit of a formula. Well, first, I just want to play the very first limo entrance. It was Bree. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? How you doing? I'm nervous. Likewise. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. What's your name? Good. I'm Bree. Bree? Yes. What's nice your to name? Meet you. I'm Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard so much about you. And everyone speaks so highly of you. And I don't say that to make you nervous, but just know that I am here for this opportunity to get to know you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I hope I don't let you down. (laughs) Thank you. I look forward to getting to catch up inside. See you inside. So what we had here was a sweet, tender moment. You know, nothing crazy no gimmicks just a heartfelt moment between two potential lovers and what i noticed is that all these entrances kind of follow a pattern and that's that the first six or seven of them you kind of see the whole intro it's like a you know ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Minute each. And I think it's some front runners because you get like a lot of emotion and stuff and it feels very sincere. And then as you go on, you see more funnier things. Doesn't mean they're not front runners. It just did funny things. And then near the end, you kind of see things that flop. And then you see some kind of like nice but boring things kind of mixed in, more chopped up. And I kind of realized that like what we saw in the beginning is very similar to what we see in like the later boring chopped up sections. It just has more passionate romantic music underneath. So it's like signaling to us that these are the front runners and they said kind of semi-boring generic shit. (laughs) And the other girls who said the same type of stuff, you know, we don't care about them as much anyway. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm really loving the scientific, the scientific lens. Like, like just keep, keep going off with your, with your insights, but I'm, I'm, I'm living for this. Thanks. So to kind of showcase my point, I took the first like five or six limo entrances and I stitched them together a little bit. Um, so that you guys could see for yourselves. Ooh, I just want to like take a moment to let this all like soak in. Oh my gosh, I am in trouble. And I'm so excited that you're The Bachelor. So everyone knows you're making history as the first Black Bachelor. I don't know how, but you are more good looking in person. Oh my God. <laughs> you're the reason I'm here. And I love that we get to do this whole thing for the first time together. And really what I'm looking for in a partner is someone who can be my rock, just like I would be for them. I'm so nervous. Can you feel me shaking? Yeah, I'm shaking a little bit too, though. <laughs> oh, gosh. Long time coming, for yes, sure. <laughs> and hopefully we can make history together. I say that love makes the world go round, and even though we can't travel the world right now, I'm looking forward to this journey with you and seeing where in the world we end up together. But I'm hoping one day home will feel like it's with me. So, as you can see, they all kind of sound exactly the same when they have all different music that is still equally uh, passionate and heartwarming. Do you have a reaction to um, that? I mean, to my theory. I mean, <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like that demanding, like, what is your reaction to my, it's so much <laughs> expectation. Jeez. I mean, man, now Appreciate I feel so on the spot. Appreciate my work. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my art. Look at it. Uh, no, I would just reiterate what I said before is I am very blown away by just the scientific analysis <laughs> of these limo entrances and I'm very proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> Got All you. right. So, uh, so that, that, uh, that little scientific spiel aside, uh, what were some of your favorite limo entrances, Brett? So it's, for me, it was like, I was. I was so biased with certain people that I was like, oh, was that like actually a good entrance or line or do I just like this person? What's an example of one of those? Uh, Kristen. So we've we've clarified for everybody on the pod that Kristen is a mutual favorite mm-hmm. and she has the line, oh, the verdict is in. Oh, she's a lawyer. <laughs> a little preface. Uh, the verdict is in and you have been sound so guilty of being incredibly fine. And for, for someone I... I didn't like i'd be like oh that's like lame but for chris i'm like fuck yeah hell yeah great line chris and you're crushing it so i had yeah. to call out Kristen. yeah i think i have to agree with you it was okay it was fine but we like her so we loved it exactly hell yeah what are, what are some uh favorites that jump out at you to go on with my analyses of the limo <laughs> entrances i do 
think it's important to strike a balance between, you know, memorable without being too gimmicky. I think we've seen time and time again that the really gimmicky things never pay off or work. Mm-hmm. Case in point, yeah. the goat, the goat feet. Um, oh, yeah. Senya, she, very beautiful girl. I'm sure she was really great. You know, it doesn't help that they add the like awkward music underneath and stuff. She didn't, she didn't make it past night one. But listen, counterpoint, I love the goat feet. They were so realistic in a very disturbing way. <laughs> but I was, listen, I was kind of, I will say that there's always someone the first week that I'm like, wow, the fuck did you send that person home? And I feel like Senya was like kind of my person this time around. I'm like okay. kind of torn because I really liked the ballerina. Well, her name was Alicia yeah. from New York. Um, yeah. I, I thought she was cute. I thought it was cool that she was a professional ballerina. I didn't really, she get, she felt, she felt a little flat to me anyway, which is probably on purpose because we, we said bye to her, but I was indifferent about her. Always love the New York repping, but. Hell yeah. Yeah. So another like favorite of mine that we of course need to talk about is Katie. We already saw this this little this little entrance at the very beginning and pretty much like moment for moment also. Like it, I was actually thinking about that with the cold open. It it should have been like a she she comes up and it's like, oh, I have this possession from home, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like just about to reveal it. And then they were like, this season on The Batch. Like they should have just cut it off. And they, they were like, ooh, what was counter. it? They should have cut it off right after you reveal what it, you see what it is. So you're like, wait, what? Because we don't know his reaction. He might be like, what the fuck? Hmm. But maybe, one of those two would have been good. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it was weird that it was her whole entire entrance was just repeated. Yeah, right. So there was just like no difference, you know, yeah. like we just, uh, yeah. Um, but no, I was into that. I mean, again, I'm biased because I like Katie, but anytime, you know, I think that was a big reason why Hannah's season was so great is that the show was starting to more embrace like sex positivity. Obviously, we've had like sex positive conversations with caitlin a lot but you know Mm -hmm. caitlin went through a bit of the ringer because of this franchise and i think hannah that's where it was starting to get embraced more so you know it's i always like seeing that yeah i mean we have those sex positive conversations with caitlin now after the fact after she was horribly slut shamed and i love i saw this meme uh during like shortly after hannah's season ended but it was like caitlin bristow walked so hannah brown could run and I just really loved that just so much. <laughs> and and listen, same applies here where Caitlin walked so Katie could run. Mm-hmm, Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So I really like the unique ones that also are still not super cringy. So I really liked, you know, the girl who rode in on the truck. Oh, I can't, I never remember anyone's name this, this early in the game. You're <laughs> so good at it, Brett. But... um. <laughs> Oh, it was Kayla. Thank you. But Kayla, um, I really liked her coming in with the truck. I liked Chris Harrison putting her on blast and the blooper at the end for sitting on like a <laughs> <laughs> for sitting on um a pillow booster seat. But you know, we all I mean, short girls need help. That's all I gotta say. Anyway, yeah, um yeah. I will say that I was annoyed by all the commentary about her being able to drive a stick shift. It's like, you know Oh yeah, it's like huh. 
uh, uh, cool. Like, because she's a woman. Uh. Um, and I really, really liked the pizza delivery one because it was trying to be cute and cheesy, but also, actually, there was a a blooper moment that still stayed in anyway. And I always love. Oh yeah. I always love those pockets and peaks of like genuine, like, oh shit, I tried so hard. And of actually, genuine fear <laughs> of genuine fear where this person is nervous as shit no not <laughs> genuine fear but just like we're talking about this earlier in the episode like people can be really rehearsed on on this franchise and again i don't blame them so i really like when we see moments when things don't exactly go as planned and we see a little bit more of like an instinctual natural reaction yeah well and also i just appreciate uh mj uh mj's follow through on the bit where she has that little uh that little bump in the road. And then she's like, all right, but I'm going to finish this out. It's like, I know this might be cheesy. It's like, I'm going to do this pizza pun. Even though this was a mess, I'm going to go for it. So yeah, kudos to MJ. I know. Kudos for finishing the bit. She committed to the bit. Heck yeah. Uh, And then I'm trying to think of other ones for me. I mean, you had like Alana with the the whole like lady in the tramp, like, Oh, we're going to do the little spaghetti. I loved that Uh, one. I did love that one. That must've been done before, right? It definitely has. Right. But I, I can't think of the who, same thing. but how could it not have been? I done? thought the exact same thing. I'm like, there's <laughs> no way that something so good and could have just never been done in these past 25 seasons of The Bachelor. I think they've done it with other food. I think like someone did it with like a hot dog or like something like that, which is not, <laughs> you know, I swear to God, like some someone's done it with like another food before, but that just feels like a layup to do that. that yeah. To do that intro. I will say, and this is again, just speculation, just my, just my scientific observations, but I Ooh, felt like okay. we got a mini glimpse of like Matt not really knowing the taboo or like the unwritten rule because he just went in for the kid. He was like, sure. He went in for it. Oh, he yeah. did the kiss. No hesitation. I feel like leads, um, both men and women, well, the women just never, you know, really accept the kiss if it's offered in that setting, Mm -hmm. in the entrance, in the limo entrance setting. But with men, it's very awkward whenever they're accidentally duped into a kiss or they're asked for a kiss. And it's very kind of like, oh, no, maybe later, you know, they're trying to because it is this like unwritten rule, which is going away more and more now, thanks to bachelors and bachelorettes past. But it is an unwritten rule of like, you know, you have to earn the first kiss or whatever. And he just went right for it. He had no idea. He was like, ah, sweet pasta and a kiss. <laughs> and I thought that was a funny moment. Well, and I'm glad too, it wasn't like a blindfold because we've seen, I feel like we see that a lot with Bachelor yeah. specifically, where yeah. the Bachelor is blindfolded and then it's like, oh, this is cute, right? It's like mm, questionable no. consent going on here. Yeah. That's a little, you know, but at least with this, it's like, context matters and yeah as you said he seemed to like go for it and, um you know granted these don't count this is not counting as the first well, kiss I, think, I mean uh, it in could. The, well, in the leaderboards well that well yeah exactly <laughs> but that's that's what i'm saying is that like i think he doesn't really realize how like the economy of kisses especially early on in the season <laughs> like he totally didn't realize that that's not a normal thing that leads agree to do in the limo yeah. entrance which yeah. made me love it all the more yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we had another Italian food related uh, entrance. Can we talk about how giant that meatball was? That was upsetting. It was like you it had to have like two hands disgusting. on that thing. It looked like <laughs> it a was like of that shit. was a monstrosity. That meatball was like, kill me. I, I, I'm not a meatball. I'm a monstrosity. I don't know what that thing was. I don't think yeah. it was a meatball. I mean, I need she... I need like some sort of proof that that technically 
is Matt qualifying it, so. as, a, as a meatball. I get that's not proof enough. <laughs> Don't know how to feel. Yeah, I agree. The giant meatball aside, because I think the giant meatball is just like funny and weird um, in a good way. But that aside, I did think, the, can I put my balls in your mouth? How's my meat? Or whatever. I felt the delivery of it. It just felt a little cringy. It made me cringe. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, go, no, no. Shout out um, to TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Now we have to go to someone who, listen, we have a lot of great New Yorkers present in both this cast and in Bachelorette cast, we've got some great gems. We have Kit, who is also from New York. And I oh don't know how God. to feel about Kit. Gotta be honest, don't know how I feel. And the main things are, well, she pulls up. I know how I feel. Car. I don't like her. Uh, okay, well, there you go. You're you're more forthcoming with your opinion. I am a child, and I'm like, I have to, I have to uh, cautiously waddle over to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she pulls up in a car that I don't recognize because I'm not a car boy. We later find out it's a Bentley, and then she says, "Oh, I opted out of the limo because I wasn't really into the rideshare vibe." When a limo isn't good enough for you, my God, the privilege, the privilege when a limo is peasant like yeah my god we don't claim her we don't claim her she's not from new york well actually i would say she's born and raised in new york and i would say that that type of person is definitely the type of person that you can associate with being born and raised in manhattan so i i will say i know i very quickly said oh i don't like her i want to preface with saying that i'm always hesitant to say i do or don't like people because one i like to give people the benefit of the doubt i will definitely give kit the benefit of the doubt um, and I want to be very clear that I do not think I am better than anyone. I don't think I'm better than Kit. But people who are snobby and who generally think they are better than other people, those people rub me the wrong way. And I prefer to stay away from them. And Kit was all of that. She yeah. was entitled. She, I mean, I'm all for confidence, but she was like the condescending type of cocky. Um, yeah. And yeah, I didn't like her attitude. So <laughs> that's my opinion. I do think Aunt Kit is one of those people who might have a bad like initial first impression and then will eventually not so much like become a personality, but I could see like her being like neutral going forward where she like doesn't like we think she's going to be like this big villain character, but then she just like becomes a shadow in the background. I kind of see that path for her. Yeah, I mean, even if she doesn't, I mean, I think we know who is getting a preliminary villain edit, and we can talk about her and her entrance. Uh, We can wrap this segment up with her and her entrance, but I don't think that Kit needs to have a villain edit in order to be a snobby person that I don't want that I don't want to root for. Yeah, like she doesn't have to be a villain for me to feel like she shouldn't win Matt James's heart. I don't know. I mean, also, also, if he chooses her and he falls in love with her, power to them. I'll be happy for them. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not interested in like judging people in the sense that I'm better than you and I know what's best for you or whatever. I'm just, for me in my life, that's the type of person I don't fuck with. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, fair. All right, should we close out with yeah. the legend herself? The, the Queen the Victoria? The Queen Victoria, which I will say, here's my, here's my, thoughts is that i know we're like designed to to not like victoria which is probably valid which is probably fair but i will say i'm very into bringing obscure job titles back into the mix like i don't know at what point we decided those weren't a good idea but i miss chicken enthusiasts i miss like all the other fucking zany ones let's bring that back aspiring dolphin trainer hell yeah aspiring dolphin trainer. i miss that so much the best one ever twins (laughs) 
Or <laughs> yeah. twin. Yeah, yeah. Very. See, I miss. I miss that. I very much miss that. So if this is at all bringing that sort of energy back, I'm all for it. I did peep that and I did chuckle at it. I did enjoy that. That was actually, and we'll touch on moments of of hers later on, but a theme with her that I noticed is that she would make a joke and I would laugh and then I'd be mad at myself for laughing where I'm like, Touche, but goddamn it. You know, it was just like she would just say stuff that was like so off the rails or like didn't make sense that I just, it broke me. It broke me a little bit. But if you open a fire hose and you're trying to drink, like it's impossible to drink out of a fire hose. So it's like, uh, yeah. But, but I'm like the best fire hose. So I'll make a good drink for you. I feel that. Yeah. yeah I feel that. Like I, I, I had never heard of that phrase before, but the imagery and the metaphor was very clear to me. Yeah. If you turn on a fire hose, that shit's going to fuck you up if you try to drink from it. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. It's hard. It's hard to drink out of a fire hose. She clearly like doesn't know what this metaphor is. She's never heard of it. It's just like, it's just so like, okay, well, you know. Maybe she was a little drunk, just went over her head, just broke bread. Broke bread. One point, Victoria, zero points, Brett. She won this round. <laughs> I will say Victoria is another person who, you know, I would probably stay away from. I will say that I was at least appreciative that she said thank you to the men who were carrying her. When I put her down. The first thing she said was thank you. And yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah, no, same. So I'll, give her, yeah. I'll give her a prop for that. And as well. I noticed that, too. It's like, you know, gratitude. I appreciate it. All right. So we must move on from the limo entrances because... There were just so many of them, and we can't possibly chat about 32. So many, so many, 32. And with that, we begin the cocktail party. And the first thing, pretty much out of the gate, is Matt comes in, um, you know, just like, oh, happy to be here. He, you know, he's clearly nervous himself, which I do think is really endearing, also, is that. Well, he's new to this, you know, like it's actually kind of nice that he hasn't had this established camera time. And uh, yeah, I think it makes it a little bit more genuine in a a way. Yeah, that's why I like finding all these little small subtle moments where it's like, oh, he doesn't actually know that this is not how it goes or that it's supposed to be like this or whatever. And I think that's so I think that's definitely adds a charm to him being the bachelor for sure. All right. But so this. Then, like, what what happens next? It's like it was a small moment, but also a big moment, especially on on Twitter. But uh, Matt, you know, mm-hmm. Matt's Matt's religious; he's Christian, and he says like, "Oh, you know, to start things off, I want to do this toast a little bit differently, and I want to do a prayer. So if any everybody could just bow their heads." Um, and then, you know, they do the prayer and some people are very affected, Rachel being one of them. And what were kind of like just your thoughts on on him, on him doing this? And also to preface this, I know uh, that this stuff just can be nuanced and complicated. And these are beliefs, right? These are core beliefs that yeah. that, you know, we all have, you know, as as listeners, Matt has as the lead of this show. Uh, and they're very core, you know, to who we are. And that means it's going to be just, uh, yeah, it's a little tricky to talk about. So I just want to say, like, you know, we respect uh, Christian listeners, people who are, you know, Muslim, Jewish, like all beliefs or non-beliefs. Like, you know, look at Ivan last season, agnostic. Um, so, you know, we, we I just want to, like, preface it with that. But what were your thoughts on this uh, approach here? Yeah, thank you for um, for noting that, Brett. I think it's really, I had a lot of thoughts. So first, just really jumping from what you said, I think it can be kind of 
scary or daunting if you are, you know, Jewish or Muslim or agnostic or, or another or another religion, whether you're I mean, if you're very, very devout Jewish person, you're probably not going to go on a dating show where the lead is most likely not Jewish. So it's not like we are seeing those extremes, but I think it can be wary when you maybe grow up in a place or in a neighborhood where you're Jewish, but like no one, it's never really affected your dating life. Mm-hmm. And then you enter a situation where someone might judge you or, 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 or choose differently because of it. I think that can be a little um, scary or maybe triggering. That's one aspect of it. Um, I know for other people, religion um, and especially in this country, I think, you know, Catholicism and, and Christianity can be a little triggering. I know me personally, I was raised Catholic. I'm Hispanic. I'm from Colombia. Us Latinos, we're a very religious people. Have all my sacraments done. Thanks, mommy and poppy. Like, I, you know, I'm confirmed. I can get married in a church. But that being said, I don't have the best relationship to religion. Growing up, I didn't have the best relationship to religion. I feel like a lot of schools and churches they interpret the bible and scriptures in ways that can be very harsh on children they can kind of cause a lot of shame and guilt um i don't like the ways that traditional catholicism and christianity can be very slut shaming very sex negative it can be very homophobic and you know i know that there are modern churches and stuff that are not homophobic um and things like that and that's great but i think in general i feel like there's a lot of absolutes if you're not perfect, you will go to hell. And But no one's perfect, so you just have to ask God for forgiveness and he'll love you. But just try not to fuck up because you'll go to hell. And just, it's a lot for a child. I know it was a lot for me. I'm definitely happier with that religion. And that's, again, a personal choice. So I, whenever I meet people who really love their faith, and I love hearing about these types of relationships with faith, so I have had really interesting conversations with people about their faith, it's really interesting and inspiring to me that someone can have that sort of relationship with religion. And I, and I love that. And I love that for them. It's not for me and that's fine. And I think it can be a little wary to see that like on this national stage, it's like you kind of have to be religious or you're not welcome. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I don't know. Did that make sense? Well, especially to like a certain type of religious too, right? You know, it's not like, oh, if you're Muslim, if you're, you know, it's like Christianity, you know, forefront. Catholicism, I would say too. Honestly, I don't even really, uh, you know, know know, uh, a ton about like the differences in both. So I feel a little uneducated (laughs) in that front. Um, Well, so for me, not even analyzing. There's quite a few. Yeah. uh, You know, not even analyzing like my relationship with religion i mean i would say you know i'm agnostic i guess but i think what i wanted to get into here is just this kind of like exact moment and how i felt about it and and all that and so there's a few different layers to it one obviously matt is religious you know he's made it clear that uh that's important to him so that's an that's a perfectly valid thing to be forthcoming with and be like hey know this about me like i'm religious i ideally want my partner to be as well that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i think where and again this is where it gets nebulous and it's it's i understand a whole bunch of different viewpoints on this i think the part that didn't sit the best with me was the 
kind of like very specific moment where he's like, oh, if you could all, uh, you know, bow your heads or if you could all just like, because yeah, that's like participating in the Christian prayer. And, you know, and I understand where some people would come from as far as like, oh, well, one, it's his show, right? He's the lead. He's looking for his partner. So like, it's his rules, which like, kind of, but also like there's other people who are, who are involved in this experience. And, um, and then the other part of that is, uh, people say, oh, well, you know, if they didn't want to, you know, bow their heads like they didn't have to or, you know, like no one was forcing them. Yeah. But like no one's like forcing them like, uh, you know, like with violence or something, but they're kind of forcing them just because of the power dynamic there. Right. Like Matt has yeah, the pressure. Yeah. Matt has a power there and especially that early on right i obviously understand this idea that he wants to essentially weed out you know potentially people who aren't um as religious as as he is if that's something that means a lot to him um but i do think this early on i mean it's essentially the second thing that's been said to to these women right it was like their initial introduction and then all of a sudden bow your head and pray with me and for me right or you know potentially for you too because I think about this like a lot with my own dating life is that like I would feel comfortable dating someone who was religious. I think the where where it does fall apart a little bit is one obviously if they're not comfortable with dating someone who isn't religious because then I wouldn't meet their criteria and obviously we want both people to be uh, happy in that relationship. But then the other yeah. is when it starts getting into this like converting pressuring like to take on their practice sort of thing and i think i personally would be willing to do that uh not not there's a whole bunch of different layers to obviously analyze there so it's like oh i'll go to church with you or you know whatever um but everyone has their own layers of comfort what they would be willing to do and this is also completely um you know speaking for just just for me but I i would imagine people who aren't as religious they might be a little bit more comfortable and inclined when in a moment like that to just kind of go along and be like oh yeah you know i'll bow my head be respectful you know because i think that's perfectly valid as well but i guess i more think about people who are jewish who are muslim you know they don't necessarily know if everybody there is christian or if everybody there is what people's relationships with religion are and that can be really tricky as you as you talked about and i think there was just a a little bit more of a nuanced way to go about that even if it's literally just matt saying like if you're comfortable and bowing your head like would love for you to do Mm -hmm. that would almost like just kind of like give them like an it's okay to not be but it was it it did feel a little christian focus it was just uh yeah and i don't know so i I go a little bit all over the place with this but i i think that's um and also just to clarify i'm not even really condemning matt for this because i do think it's a gesture that means a lot to him i just want all the contestants all the people who are part of the show to feel comfortable and i i just would be i would empathize with someone who say comes from a jewish background who uh just because of pressure like they don't want to be the one odd odd woman out uh they don't want to look weird quote unquote on the first night um who who might feel pressured to like uh do uh, to to participate in a practice whether even if it's just like a simple bowing of your head doing a prayer that they might not be feel comfortable with because of their own beliefs so that's just something i'm sensitive to i guess yeah i mean there's 
several things I want to respond to there. One, I think as shitty as it is, they're probably not casting people who they know is going to be a deal breaker for mm-hmm. Matt unless it's like one person and then it's like to intentionally create a conversation, sure. which is, you know, I mean, producers do that. Um, and maybe we'll see that. Who knows? But yeah, I think the show has pushed for lots of different types of diversity in the last few years and that's really great. But diversity and religious thoughts and freedoms is not one that we've seen. If the most we've seen is like absence of it, but you know, with with an occasional sprinkling in of like, oh yeah, I care about faith. Or like, oh yeah, I'm, oh yeah, I believe. You know, like I think we saw this with Peter and Maddie where she's like, I'm very religious. And he was like, well, oh yeah, like I'm religious. And then Maddie made Peter realize that like, oh, he's not as religious as she is, but that's like not, that doesn't mean it's not something he's not interested in diving back into. I think that's a level of compatibility, right? Like they're still believe in the same religion, but one is just more devout than the other. So I don't think they're realistically out here casting people who are like Muslim when they know that the lead wants to marry a Christian person. Right. Religion is very tricky. That's why we have separation of church and state. And maybe we should have separation of church and ABC. Who knows? Well, what I think too, it's like, I do get like leaning into religion. And I'd actually really be interested in even like conversations like this, right? Just like talking through people's faith and their relationships with faith. Yeah. I I, I think my thing was just, it it felt a little too soon, right? You know, I I do get that you eventually want to find people who are going to be what you're looking for on, on that vein. But Literally, like the second thing you you, you say to him, uh, it might be a little too soon. But again, it's a nuanced thing. But I think ultimately we're talking about, you know? Yeah. All right. So after the toast that Matt gives, uh, he we see him pull aside a few different people. Probably go just through a couple quick. Uh, he pulls our fave Kristen aside. Yeah. And, you know, she talks about how, um, you know, really likes him being like the first black bachelor and talks about that a little bit. Um, and just saying that like, uh, and, and him saying like his experience isn't, uh, going to be everyone's experience. It does seem like that's like a theme a lot where we can really see his nerves coming up where I'm like, I don't speak for every, you know, he's really does seem to be in his head about, about that a lot, which it, it's crazy because I feel like it's going to be taken two different ways. I can just see it happening. And I think we've touched on this already, like yeah. on different parts um, of this episode. But by some people, it's going to be taken like, yeah, we are not a monolith. Like one man does not represent all of us, which is true. And then the other side, I feel, is going to be like, oh, he's trying to distance himself from us. He's trying to lean into the fact that he's also halfway. And I, I I will say like I, you know, referencing earlier in the episode when he's like, I'm black and I'm white, like, which he is like he is biracial. But a lot of biracial children present as black and they don't necessarily have the luxury of taking advantage of being white. You know, they're just not white passing. Outsiders don't see them that way, et cetera. And so I think a lot of people I can see coming to the criticism of like, oh, he's trying to distance himself. He's trying to really lean into like whiteness. Um, Not that I feel that way at all. I can just the way that he has been nervously saying these things whenever race is brought up. I feel like he's going to have both of those. Yeah. Both of those conversations are going to be coming at him. Yeah. And it feels, it feels, I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you on the nerves front, but you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah. So Matt talks to so many women tonight, as we have been told over and over again, he has a record breaking number of women. 
But another conversation or I guess moment that comes to mind is when Matt talks to Mari, who is from Puerto Rico, and they're kind of talking about family. And as soon as he finds out that she's from Puerto Rico, he starts kind of asking her some very serious, heartfelt questions about her family back home and how they're doing with the natural disasters and stuff. And then... And then, like a bat out of hell, Katie comes <laughs> with a little buzz buzz. My favorite <laughs> silly phrase. Uh, no, I mean, I will say that this moment gave me some serious whiplash because they were actually getting into a pretty, like, a good little heart to heart. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I really worry about my grandparents in Puerto Rico and if they're going to be okay. And all of a sudden, Katie literally, like, taps her on the shoulder. Just buzzing. Taps her on the shoulder with this vibrator. And... uh yeah, yeah, definitely a bit of a mood switch, a little bit. Talk about a buzzkill. Um, so we definitely know that Mari does not like that because she goes ahead and tells everyone <laughs> about it. I feel like the next several minutes of the episode have just different clips of her peppered in, just of her telling different people about her being touched by the vibrator. Well, also, too, this is where she starts referring to it as a dildo, and then Katie refers to it as a dildo. This is where everybody gets confused, because this is where we start going back and forth, and this is the source of uh, my my question at the beginning. Because, like, what is it? What is it? (laughs) So your knowledge of sexual (laughs) toys aside... What are you thinking? Future two on one? Oh, can be a few. This is someone th- a villain here. This is the well. I say this is the time of the season when we're right in the beginning. But you know, there's a tendency <laughs> where it, literally as soon as two people have the slightest disagreement, the back of my head's like two on one. Are you gonna fight? Are you gonna fight later? Is this gonna be like a gauntlet to the death later on in the season? And it can just be like a slight disagreement. So I was over here like, yeah. oh, are Mari- they going to duel at dawn? Oh yeah, is this like Mari Katie? This vibrator is just gonna be like what what breaks Mari's back? It's like all right, this is gonna be it. This is gonna be a two on one this season. And then we get like a little bit later on with like Kit and Queen Victoria, where it's like, oh, they got some some weird energy going. Also, I I am actually gonna put my cards into that two on one cam because kit is from new york and victoria is from la so i like this whole east coast west coast thing i just want to put more Uh, meaning on it so i'm gonna ditch the katie mari uh two-on-one and go for kit and victoria victoria feels like she should be on a two-on-one right because i envision the arc that they're trying to set up is that everybody's annoyed by Victoria and people are like, someone just needs to like take her out on like a two on one. And like the whole entire cast is rooting for the other person. And then maybe that other person comes back and people are like, woo. It reminds me when, uh, I think it was Chad and Alex, Alex were on the two on one. Chad and, and then Alex returned and they like partied. And it and was such like a wholesome. Promptly after. Oh yeah, it was it was like a it was like a like a march. They had a funeral for Chad. <laughs> a funeral for Chad, but it was also very celebratory vibes. And uh Yes. The, it, it was, was like, like they it was like a celebration of life. It was like protein powder to the wind. It was very ding dong the witch is dead energy. Yes, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think I totally agree with you with Kit and Queen Victoria, my two, you know, least favorite contestants. Um, I love the idea of the East Coast, West Coast feud, <laughs> the coastal elites battling yeah. it out yeah. to see who is more elite than the <laughs> other. Is it the Manhattan princess or the LA queen? Mm. 
tune in next week. Yeah, I will say, though, that, um, I mean, obviously, Victoria threw some heat on when she said, all right, princess, the queen is here. Like, obviously, that is a little shady. <laughs> um, obviously, Kit's going to be annoyed at that. But I just thought it was so funny how then we see the montage of her telling several people what happened. Yeah. And I just think it's so funny that she both told the confessional that she's going to be the king, the CEO, the president, <laughs> and then also other people the same thing. Oh, it yeah. was like, she had a rehearsed. Was that an editing mistake? <laughs> I just thought yeah. it was silly. I was like, okay, you have a speech. You came up with a good retort <laughs> and you want to make sure everyone hears it. <laughs> everyone. It, and actually, I don't know why that reminds me of like when McKenna went home. Uh, you know, in Peter's season, how like her her oh, like yeah. leaving speech was just so like I deserve love and blah 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 blah. And it was like, oh, this person definitely rehearsed this before they even arrived at the mansion. They were like, when I get eliminated, because like it's probably gonna happen. Uh, when I get eliminated, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this, and it felt like that for me. Where it's like she just got the taglines ready. I think I remember you tweeting something about like Bachelor in Paradise audition tape. Oh hell like- yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, And then, so after when we're seeing Kit, you know, kind of complain about Victoria, we're also seeing Victoria's little villain arc ramp up with other women where she's basically like kind of bullying women into going to talk to Matt, which like these women on the side are complaining about the fact that they haven't talked to Matt yeah. and then not doing it. So I... It is kind of funny to watch them get annoyed at Victoria for telling. I mean, I guess you don't want anyone to ever tell you what to do. Yeah. So, so it's just kind of like, it's like, but I'm allowed just, to say it about myself, but you're not allowed to say it kind of. Yeah. 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 Ugh, it just sucks because it it just makes her look better. It just makes her look more powerful. And it's like, I don't want Victoria yeah. to be more powerful because she is rude. Yeah. I will say. And rude people do not destroy power. This is where, once again, Queen Victoria kept on surprising me with lines that would make me laugh. And I was so damn mad. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this like she's being awful, but it's it's funny. I think it's again, like it almost just sounds like if I was intentionally Let trying to make a dumb joke, that's the, jo- the joke I would make. The marketing joke? It is exactly the marketing joke. What do you do? I do marketing. Well, market yourself to Matt. What? Like, market yourself to Matt. <laughs> that is like that is like my energy when I'm just trying to make like a joke that's going to annoy a friend. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that and the whole raise your hand if you haven't spoken to Matt tonight thing, that was really shitty, <laughs> really shitty. But it also made me laugh a little bit. So I guess I'm an awful person a little bit. Um, And so we're almost near the end of the night. Matt has some conversations with two girls who I think are two front runners. I've mentioned this, I think already this episode, Brie and Abigail, you know, Brie, she kind of talks about her biracial past as well. Her mom is Persian and white passing her father's black. Um, But then she starts to talk about her family dynamic and about how her parents were separated before she kind of even really remembered them together and how she kind of mainly grew up with her mom and never saw an example of what love was like. And to me, I was like, hold the phone. Did a producer like give her a transcript of exactly everything that Matt James said in his (laughs) introduction moment in the top of this episode? Because it literally was like point for point in a way that we're one, I was excited for them because I think, I think Brie, is like my favorite yeah. to win. Kristen's my favorite, but I think my favorite to win is Brie. 
And I was excited that like they had so much in common. Part of me was like, this is super on the nose also <laughs> as well. So that was really lovely. And we see him talking to Abigail, who we remember was born deaf. And they're talking about, you know, her older sister. She was also deaf. And they're just kind of having a really sweet, cute conversation. And then they kiss. Woo! Kiss, woo! The first actual kiss. I will also say that it's been a while since there was only one kiss and the first night, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, usually... I feel like now there's a couple of kisses. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that night. there was, like, a gimmicky kiss and then one actual real kiss that we saw, you know, maybe there were others. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, usually I think, like, Peter had at least three. I can't remember the people, but I remember it was, you know, not a, not the most shy in that regard. So, yeah, I noticed that, too. Yeah. So they have... This lovely kiss. Matt gets up, goes and grabs the first impression rose in front of a room full of sad, forlorn ladies who've just been talking about how they've had no time. And they watch him whisk away with the, uh, with the, uh, the rose. He gives it to Abigail. She's like, yes, I'll accept the first impression rose. And then they kiss some more. And then it's rose ceremony time. Womp, womp, womp. Or, or woo, depending on what side you're on. <laughs> depending on who you are. And so, as the night draws to a close and dawn arises, arisens, yeah. uh, it is time for a rose ceremony. Ooh. And so, you know, we have, of course, it's the first night, so there's a zillion girls who get roses. And there's also that one or two girls who you kind of see them going a little bit crazy, wondering why the hey heck they haven't received a rose yet till the very last second. Some notables to me, which and I always find these kind of funny, especially if they get the rose, then it's like kind of I feel less guilty laughing. It's kind of sad when they don't. Um, but <laughs> so the notables for me, Serena C, you know, took four COVID tests to be there. Four. <laughs> Poor so much and quarantined so much sacrifice um anna who just super wants a chance with matt i hear you he's a dreamboat um and of course victoria who got the final rose and who i thought it was very funny when she received it and she was like oh it's going crazy over there or whatever <laughs> she said i will say that i chuckled at that one that's victoria one camille zero on that one, for sure <laughs> So, who went home? So, unfortunately, we have to have a moment of silence for eight women. And I will admit, fallen. I feel like they didn't even, I was so confused how many people even went home because they didn't do all these people justice. But we lost Alicia, Amber, Caroline, Cassandra, Corinne, Amani, Kimberly, and Senya, who's Goat Girl. I think I'm saying that right. So, you know, RIP, gone too soon. We hardly knew ye. Very sad. So now that the episode's done, the sun has risen, people are crying, and we have our season 25 teaser. Oh, boy. Now, Brett, we are going to see a lot more women. We kind of got a sneak peek of at least one of them who looks like a new villain, and we see a peek at a familiar face. Heather. Heather. What are your thoughts? Just so much. Just everything happened so much. 
yeah, what are your thoughts on all these new women coming in throughout what seems like random parts throughout the season? Well, one is like, is this just going to be a theme now of like, listen, I get bringing the occasional one solo person in. That's like been done before. You know, Nick, that was his whole thing on Caitlyn's season. So that's been done. Um, but this new. It happened on Ben Higgins season too. Yeah, there you go. And then this, but like this new trend of like, oh yeah, you know what? We're going to bring in. Well, it, it, it made sense with Tasha because it's like, oh, here's like new guys that Claire didn't actually meet just so it didn't feel entirely like uh, here. I don't know. Th- these guys didn't connect with Claire. So you give it you give it a go. Yeah. So it didn't entirely feel like sloppy seconds for sure. But now it's just chaotic energy because then it's like, when does this stop? <laughs> when does it, we're we're going to go into like May where we're just going to like lose eight people, gain five, lose four, gain three. Just too much. Yeah, I want to say in terms of going back to when you said like you want to set these people up for success, I feel like, you know, I've talked before about how, you know, with Rachel's season and with with the women, with The Bachelor in general, but we've kind of seen with Rachel and Tasha, they kind of experiment with them in ways that, you know, it's like, well, it's okay if it fails because it's them. And I think with the men they experiment in ways where it's like oh but this is an experiment that like the men would love right it feels like a less insulting kind of risk and i think one i think this is that right like oh who what men wouldn't want more women but i do think that it's inadvertently not setting him up for success because how is he supposed to focus on relationships they have such a short amount of time together to begin with so how is he supposed to focus on all these people that he already has the highest number of women, you know, already for eight weeks. And then you're constantly throwing in new girls, like constantly. Like, How is that supposed to help Matt? How is that supposed to help the women who are already there? Again, I think, yeah, one or two women coming in. We've seen it before. I get it. It makes sense. It has good drama, but this just feels excessive and over the top and to the detriment of the original purpose of the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you hit the uh, nail on the head. Um, you you were like LOLing over there about Heather Martin. What, what What's that? What's that about? It's just so random. I mean, I guess like the connection <laughs> is I think she's good friends with Hannah and then I can I'm trying to yes. theorize how this came to be. It just seems so damn random um but maybe it was like heather was like oh matt's bachelor he's so like and then mentioned that to her pal hannah and then hannah was like oh you know what maybe that's how i could foresee this being a thing but it's just very random a little bit i agree with that with one added element which is when we've seen other um former bachelor nation contestants come back to a different season it's usually because they had some sort of communication and or connection with the new lead before they were chosen to be the new lead. So that's what I'm I'm sure that when Hannah was quarantining with the quarantine crew, I'm sure Heather, you know, FaceTimed in a couple times, met the crew, maybe thought Matt was hot, followed him on IG, you know, maybe they had a flirtation. Who knows? Yeah. And then she decided to shoot her shot. That's my that's my theory. I guess we're going to find out when, whenever that is. Yeah. I don't know if it's next week or, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it's like the whole That's season. That's my least preview. favorite part is guessing is guessing when trailer drama is going to actually happen. It's like three weeks in and then it's like five weeks in. I will say I actually do. 
I like when it's done right because it gives you like a, a carrot the entire season, you know, for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for like Barb's line last year. It was like, oh, wh- who's she saying that to? Who's she saying that to? And then with cold news, the fence jump, even though that's now like, yeet, we're looking back at that. But that was like a thing to like look forward to that we had seen in the previews. So yeah. I do like the incentive a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that struck me from the trailer from the season trailer was Matt crying and kind of like, you know, I can't do this. So I've been vulnerable walking away. And it just, uh, it just inspired me to play a little game of why is Matt James crying? Yeah. Fair. My guess is that we see the familiar, but still heartbreaking story arc of someone who has made it far, who decides to walk away and self eliminate. And that's what I think it is. He opened his heart to this lovely lady who was his top three or four and she decided that she just wasn't that into him or that she missed home or whatever and left and he sat. Hmm, okay, so you heard it here first. I think my take is going to be similar to how when Tasha sent Blake home, how even though she wasn't feeling the connection, it had gotten to the point where she had actually started developing feelings for the people she was sending home. So I think he's crying after sending someone home that he had feelings for, but it just wasn't moving mm. far enough along. But it hurt. Hmm. That's my guess. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to have to start keeping track of these predictions. because <laughs> yeah. Hold us accountable. We're chock full of them. <laughs> yeah. Hold us accountable. <laughs> Send us an email. And with that, I think... We're wrapped up for the first episode of Baby Got Batch slash the first episode of Matt James season, season 25 of The Bachelor. It's in the books and looking forward to the madness to ensue. More on Matt's season, hopefully not on the pod, but you never know, I guess. You never know. You never know what these crazy kids. (laughs) Okay, I don't like that. Not one bit, but we're going to keep it in just (laughs) to keep it interesting. That's another episode of Baby Got Batch. This episode was produced by us, Brett Vergara and Camila Salazar. Have any questions, comments, opinions, haikus, love letters, anything for us, maybe, please, thanks. Email them all to babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you're, you know, if you're feeling fancy. <laughs> thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.